So the quality of mindfulness is um, something that establishes, keeps us connected, establishes presence, establishes awareness. And that's its that's its function. Mm-hmm. So it's if you like a kind of it's got some en- some effort in there, some energy in there, and because it's establishing presence, it leads to concentration because it's affirming up rather than scattering. So when there's no mindfulness, the experience of one of scatteredness and confusion. So this is a kind of paramount faculty that sort of brings us into place. And this above all, perhaps, or everything we do is really lined up to support this. And then other things will come from that. It's not mainly means the end of the path, anything like that, or some kind of ultimate state, but it's it's a great... um, place because a great function because it it's based upon right view a sense of things that we do say think have effects therefore we have choice we have potency we have a way of determining or ordering our lives we can learn you know we don't have to keep making the same mistakes we see the effects of actions oh okay that was wrong start again because you're bearing something in mind staying with it and then from that um, right view right effort right mindfulness you get uh, right concentration samadhi which is the mind is actually embedded settled in it feels comfortable Uh, it's a feeling of this really clicks and then you feel ah and there's a certain sense of happiness which isn't Sensual, but it's uh, mental, uh, joyfulness, ease. Mm. The thing starts to, but mindfulness is the thing that's collecting it together. <coughs> now it's it's a fairly simple thing, although very word itself as it gets more used, becomes a kind of uh, garnish that we put on everything. Be mindful, be mindful, mindful. Cognitive therapy, mindfulness, stress reduction, mindfulness, this, that, and the other. Um, um, Yeah. But it's actually quite a simple thing. What is more interesting, in a way, is uh, is mind. Is that when there is mindfulness, there's there's a deepening into more primary qualities of mind. It's not just the scattering of impulses and intentions and activities. There's a deepening into more primary qualities. There's a, first of all, there's a sense of fundamental, you might say, presence. You wonder what, we wonder what that is. You know, feeling of uh, certain um, presence, you know. Whereas when, you, when the mindfulness is lost, we're, we're absent. We are just the scattering of events and thoughts and feelings. But with, when there's mindfulness, there's something else. Mm. That feels strengthening, has strength. It has a quality of um, 
happiness, warmth in it. You feel you don't feel like some disembodied ghost, you know, flung out into the cosmos. You feel uh, responsive, basic heart, and you have clarity. There's a sense of clarity. There's a sense of order, you might say. You can see, oh, this is important, this is not important. This is just that, this is this, you know. It's, you don't get caught, lost in the details of life. You know, kind of something lines things up for you. It's rather like when you're meditating, you know, you, you kind of can, when there's clarity, you can sense, oh, there's some thoughts or some physical feelings. But actually that's not really important. The important thing is, ah, there's a sense of steadying or there's breathing in and breathing out. Whatever your meditation topic is, you don't get lost on the levels of activity. So we have this, uh, we, we connect to the, to the mind and we just keep tapping into that. It's rather like plugging into a, a wonderful uh, current, a wonderful potential that a lot of the time is misused and abused and neglected. But this capacity and so the joy and the happiness that comes from mindfulness is not because mindfulness is so special, because the mind itself is special. We have a natural innate quality of presence, of, which has got a strength, a confidence, an okay, trust, basic strength. Because something senses, oh, the circumstances are just like the weather blowing through, I'm okay. You know, there's pain in the body, there's feeling thoughts in the mind or whatever. Things are going on, but I'm okay. It's a basic connected strength. You've got a tap root into, well, what do you say, presence. Mm. And there's a natural sense of uh, a correct relational sense. It's both warm and kindly and sensitive. So there's a true response. And sometimes it's important to recognize this because you know if you associate mindfulness purely with doing a particular technique it's like the technique can of course lead to established mindfulness but mindfulness is not a technique you know, techniques can help to establish it but mind is not a technique and with a technique you can find yourself either anxious to get it right uh, controlling it too, too, um, too ego bound about it all. You know what I mean? You know, tightening up. You know, I, could, I was quite happy breathing until I started being mindful of it. <laughs> you know, breathing in and out. You know, minutes and hours of the day, and it was fine. As soon as I started being mindful of it, I went on to seizures, spasms, because uh, we often. Go, our doing centers are often dominated by this uh, control, fear, anxiety, compulsion, force, get it right. They're not really coming from the true presence of mind. They're coming from the presence of all kinds of uh, programs with which we're actually used to living our life. Hurry up programs, 
um, fix-it programs, or make-it-work programs, or I-can't-do-it attitudes. Mm. So you want to actually really be check that out. Sometimes the best way to be mindful of breathing is to stop being mindful of breathing. Just breathe. Just relax. Go away from it. Leave it alone. It's not a big deal. Just, uh, just feel your body and try to feel happy and relaxed. Best stay awake. Check. Pull, you, pull yourself back into presence. Spin out. Pull yourself back into where am I right now? Find yourself going into fantasies. Yeah, where am I right now? Find yourself going into these proliferating spins. Yeah, but where am I? Really, where's this coming from? It's like that. You you can use this inquiring or vitaka, bringing to mind, putting verbal messages in to check the verbal flows. And um, you know what you find. When you, when mindfulness does become really established, then you'll feel the sense of the flow, the confidence, and essentially this responsive, <coughs> which is not a contrived response, is a natural empathy we have. <coughs> the Buddha called it anukampang, which means that something in you kind of resonates or picks up or sensitizes is, a, is you know, the word compass, something like shivering or, um, but it means you kind of get like a little flush. You, know? you get it. Mm-hmm. You're touched by things. And, um, you know, Uh, if you, my sense of this is actually, it's an embodied sense, although it's nothing to do with meat or bones. Um, you could say it's the nervous system that makes it easier. <coughs> but no, when you really get something, you get a little shift, a little shiver. Uh, when something really, when you really see something you like, something that you lights up. It's not an idea. Uh, when you feel hurt, something you tightens up and contracts. You know, it's not just something you notice. It's 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 an instinctive nerve reflex. And when we experience subtler things like joy, something that lifts up. You know, people when they're happy look ten years younger than when they're depressed. <laughs> you know, it's something about the the energy. So this kind of embodied energy, nervous energy. Now that, you know, so, so you want to look, you want to tune in, you want to ask really what's happening. Not what you, th- you think you should feel or should like or should, you know, but actually what, what's happening. If you're the kind of flush of, it's disturbing because you really, when you get in there, you feel these flushes of irritation, guilt, Craving, yeah, <laughs> twitches of it going a lot of the time, uh, but that's just that. And the more you stay with it, you can also sense that there is a genuine quality of warm-heartedness, 
towards other beings, towards yourself. And the more you settle into that, these other nervous reflexes start to calm down and you lose the irritability or the fearfulness or the neediness because you've found something that feels comfortable, warm, happy, steady. This isn't because mindfulness does something. Mindfulness just places you back into this, you might say, fundamental qualities of mind, basic strength, basic warmth, and basic clarity. You start to know yourself. You know when you're playing your games. You know when you're running your stories. Oh, it's me again doing my, you know, must get it right trip. There's me again doing my hopeless attitude. There's me again blaming everyone else. There's me again, you know, and it's just like, doesn't everybody do this? As if it's some sort of big deal. just stuff isn't it and once you can kind of accept that then behind that there is this sense of warmth and presence and his practice is just staying with that staying with that letting these other fearful confused restless energies settle into that and this settling in is where how you get uh, the experience of samadhi is this settling into that. It really doesn't matter, especially what meditation system, technique, object you use, because the paramount thing is uh, right view, right effort, right mindfulness, right concentration, you know. And uh, I'm suggesting that one of the ways you can really know this for yourself is coming to this place which is almost behind your personality and yet it's very it's not abstract it's very direct it's it's a fundamental mind you might say and this uh then this can deepen into samadhi and then this is where the, we we stand at the doors of the deathless Now this quality of, of, of warmth or responsiveness, you know, it's not just a, it has a sense of, this is where mindfulness is a condition for the arising of hiriotapa, which means basically sensitivity to moral, uh, moral sensitivity to cause and effect. And we feel a sense of concern that our behavior is, uh, doesn't, isn't tarnished, isn't harsh, isn't uh, uh, greedy or self-centered. Yeah. And we feel a sense of concern that our, how we affect other people matters because other people matter. Yeah. So around this we get the sense of how order arises. You know, retreat, we often establish a particular form. So lightly mentioned it, you know, the times, the periods of sitting, and, um, you know, just looking at how that can operate 
So you're aware of all that. What's best for the group? What's best for other people? What creates a sense of smooth functioning? Uh, so we do things like there's a certain tidiness about it. Hopefully, you know, you can err on the being picky and persnickety or the casual and somewhere, you know, you find a way. You know, where you sit, processing in and out of the hall, taking your stuff out when you leave so it's nice and the hall is clean and empty, it's not marked, it's not scruffy. Um, Getting a sense of order, generally the senior people leave first. Um, but it's not kind of tight and it's really a feeling of the harmony of the group people know what they're doing and uh, particularly when we are cultivating and getting uh, touching into some of our reactive places you want to keep the whole tenor of the of the situation quite gentle and quiet not a lot of intrusion it's unobstructed non-intrusive, leaving people be in their own space to find their centre. So just kind of, there's a sense of order. You know, so the moral sense is, is not just doing right, it's about compassion and concern. And this is actually a very beautiful thing. You know, this is where the, the moral, the relational sense itself is sweet. It's not policed. It's not judgmental, it's a sweetness, a tenderness. You know, there's a morality around opening a door, you know. <laughs> you can have a, you know, sense of whether you kind of sling it open and crash it shut or whether you open it with respect for what it is. You know, you've got to move through it, let's do that carefully. You know, have a relationship with a teapot where you you know, you don't bang it down the table, you put it down gently and carefully, put the lid on it. You recognise if it's china, it's liable to break, you don't bang it against the tap in the sink. So mindfulness is something like that, it's a continual ongoing process. And one aspect of it is it, it, it enables us, it, it places in the relational world, where you feel the, the sweetness and a gentleness and a steadiness of the way in which you move, move things around, relate to each other. And so this already is an enormous uh, blessing, happiness. Very important in, in uh, group situations where, because of karma, there's a lot of people being different, different styles, different personalities. There's a real need to experience a sense of uh, trust rather than defensiveness. Um, natural fear or anxiety over senior and junior being looked down upon or being examined, these kinds of things, you know, pretty standard. Male, female, you know, issues around that. Anywhere where you can form distinctions between me and you, there's liable to experience this sense of, of you know, uncertainty or fear or, you know, judgment of some kind. So it's really, you know, as long as that's there, then we don't really find ourselves feeling steady in our own ground, you know, confident, established. We're looking out to, are we okay with everyone else? 
So the use of an order is to establish that sense of a, there's a flow here. And we keep is that. Mm. So it actually does mean that our daily life, our relationships, our functions are not separate from the meditation. They're actually supportive to it because they continually keep that stream flowing. It's obviously a place where the stream of mindfulness can get broken. The old habits charge in. The nervousness, the hurriedness, the blindness, the insensitivities. So, you know, this is a turning it around with practicing 24 hours, seven days a week. That's how, you know, and lying down mindfully, a sense of composing the body, respecting the body, exercising, knowing what's the right energy for you, knowing how much to eat. This is different, isn't it? So it's it's really there's something very uh, encouraging and warming to just be attentive in that way to learning about yourself learning how this strange personal system operates best you know it's like training a, or educating a child or training an animal you see it's kind of restlessness it's impulsiveness and you, okay what will help to soothe steady that most important thing is a basic sense of warmth and uh, and well and benevolence. Uh, this isn't mindfulness, but this is what mindfulness connects us to. You know? And you know that if that remains the, the the flow, the kind of basic norm. Even if you're not there all the time, you know that's when you're sane. <laughs> when that's gone, you recognise, uh-oh, I'm going, I'm going slightly crazy again. I'm getting cold or rigid or frantic or fearful. Yeah. Uh-oh. There's no point in doing some technique, putting a technique on top of that, because you operate the technique from the same, <laughs> same basis. So some of these, uh, you know, masters, their practice would just be buddho, breathing in bud, breathing out do. Can you do that? <laughs> I find it rather difficult actually, to be that simple. But whatever works, what I'm saying is it doesn't. It doesn't have to be. Subtle. Can involve, generally involve some degree of vitaka vichara, that is, some degree of picking, definitely picking something up and sensing it and feeling it out. You know, your body, your breathing, your walking, standing, your. 
But then before you get too, my suggestion, before one gets too involved with the system, just check out whether there's that basic trust, basic warmth, warm-heartedness, benevolence, goodwill, basic clarity. When it isn't there, everything we do in meditation is ego-based, trying to make ourselves okay, trying to get there, trying to get it right, um, feeling you're not getting it right, you know, trying to get, you know, frustrated, trying system after system, pushing on it, crunching it down, collapsing, you know, because something isn't right. And it's not the, the technique is nothing wrong with the technique per se. It's just we are not coming from the right place. But this is why I established these five indriyas, which I see as transformations or transmutations of basic faculties that we already have. They're the they're, they're the clearing, the clarification, the steadying of these basic faculties of the ability to be is present to you know, the ability to have some sense of energy, the ability that we have to have a sense of well-being, firming up in that, the ability we have to have a sense of um, trust and openness, and uh, the ability we have to have a sense of um, how all this blends together, you know, and, and ordering when we, you know, in our lives. And then it's those are the faculties which, when they are properly held, matured, ripened, they said that these lead to the deathless or merge in the deathless. And Buddha says, you know, when they're weakly developed, you know, weak developed to a, to a minor degree, one becomes someone who's at least on the path. Uh, when they're developed to completion, one is the arahant is the one who is completed. This is the, you know, that, that's the meditation technique. <laughs> and uh, in a way, everything we do can be some way of bringing those faculties to bear. And chanting. What's the right effort, the energy, the clarity, the listening in, the sense of it's okay if you haven't got every word perfect. You know, get the feeling for it and then let it sharpen as you get more confident and clear with it. That's a meditation. Eating a meal is a meditation. Just a knowing, getting a feeling for how much is really the right amount where the mind can either go into fear of food, like terrible stuff, I'm going to get blown away, or the opposite extreme, so you're going to these kind of fast, binge and bust kind of um, senses. So something in you knows what the mind can do around food and just says, oh, enough of this, you know. And you get, it starts to become clearer. Every time you eat a meal, yeah, well, every time, but probably when you eat a meal, you're going to be 
recognizing these forces of the push, the resistances, the uncertainties, the what does everybody else think? Am I eating more than I should? Am I going to be judged? Am I is breaking a rule? Am I a greedy pig? Or am I starving myself? These kinds of twitterings of the mind. And you know <laughs> and you say, you know, this is just the normal, you know, Sangsara zoo of creatures chirping and twittering. Beneath that is where you find real wisdom occurs. Handling this stuff. Steadying. Taking your time. Softening. Then you're through that you come to another level where there's clarity. And then maybe, you know, it's possible to breathe in or let an out-breath happen, let an in-breath happen and feel pleasantly surprised by it. <laughs>